0: You know
1: what happens at Halloween? Welcome to the Michael Myers Minute, where we delve into the 1978 horror classic Halloween one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. We are outside the Strode residence, 1115 Oxley Street in South Pasadena, as Minute 27 begins. Uh, Lori, about to step onto the front porch, heard a noise at the end of Minute 26. Now she looks to see what it is. The passage from the novelization I read in Minute 21 implies that Annie is the only one of this trio that disdains bras. So, minor note here whether Jamie Lee Curtis was wearing one in the previous Walking Home segment, she does not seem to be wearing one now. Uh, and Lori's POV she sees our guest, Alex Thompson of Galaxy Quest Minute and Cleveland in Six. Welcome back, Alex.
0: Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Really, she sees trick-or-treaters, yeah. but,
1: yeah, gotta be clever sometimes.
0: Trick-or-treat!
1: <laughs> Since I know the costume choices in at the elementary school, I should note the choices here. We have an angel, a monster of some sort with a cape, what looks like a farmer, and a witch. Mm. So, you know, classic costumes... All nice royalty-free costumes. Yeah. Yes. The most popular costumes in 78 were Star Wars costumes, and
0: there of course. are none in this movie. Nope. So is, is Haddonfield in some alternate universe where Star Wars didn't happen? I guess so, yeah.
1: Or you can assume there's a couple costumes you see later at night where you can't really see them, like there's one with a cape. You could say it's Darth Vader. Yeah, why not?
0: Oh, actually, I kind of like this idea. Lee Brackett, instead of becoming a screenwriter, became a sheriff of a, of Haddonfield, Illinois. Okay,
1: it's the same Lee Brackett. Oh, you mean Lee Brackett is Lee Brackett? Yes, I like that. In a previous minute, we talked about how Sam Loomis is Sam Loomis from Psycho. Mm-hmm. Like he's literally the same character. So I like I like these versions of reality. Yeah, just decide things that have the same name are the same thing. It's a good system. Easier to keep it straight. Why have two things when we can just squish them together? Now, I promised in minute 17 we would return to trick-or-treating in minute 27, and here we are. Samira Kawash, American Journal of Play, an article called Gangsters, Pranksters, and the Invention of Trick-or-Treating, 1930 to 1960, writes about complainants of trick-or-treating as passive, implicitly degraded consumption. But looks into the historical record, old local news articles, to show how trick or treating emerged out of pranks, and the threat of the trick was often very real. Well before anyone was preparing ahead for treats with cheap bags of candy at their door. Now, Alex, did you grow up with trick or treating? I never, I never got to trick or treat.
0: Yeah, I, I did. Um, I think it was starting to die out uh, as I was hitting past the, as I was getting past the age where you did that sort of thing. My dad is talked about, I think it's his church group, who just get all their cars in the parking lot, open up their trunks, and kids, quote-unquote, trick-or-treat from car to car <laughs> so that it's a safe environment. My church thing was that we didn't celebrate
1: Halloween. Ah, uh, of course. So while I grew up with the movie Halloween, I didn't grow up with the holiday. Uh, and so I never got to trick-or-treat. We would often avoid being home on Halloween so we didn't have to deal with trick-or-treaters.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm, I, I am familiar with the avoiding being home.
1: Now I live in an apartment building, so it's easy. We just stay in the apartment. They come to the front gate, maybe. It's not our problem. No. Yep. But yeah, I remember trick-or-treating. Trick-or-treating as we know it today, yep. or something resembling it, didn't really emerge in America until the 1930s. But even then, it was more common for children to dress up in a costume for Thanksgiving than for Halloween. And going door-to-door was more mummery than souling. This is how Kawash words it. That is, it's more for making merry than for begging. So they'd ring doorbells and often do something like a doorbell ditch prank. Hmm. She calls it a waging of a sort of invisible war on the privacy and peace of the household. But it gradually turned into something closer to what we know as Mm trick-or-treating. The earliest description Kawash finds is from Blackie, Alberta, Canada in 1927. Quote, Halloween provided an opportunity for real strenuous fun. No real damage was done except to the temper of some who had to hunt for wagon wheels, gates, wagons, barrels, etc., much of which decorated the front street. The youthful tormentors were at back door and front, demanding edible plunder by the word trick-or-treat, to which the inmates gladly responded and sent the robbers away rejoicing. End quote. Ah. They describe them as robbers. That's fair. It's like
0: trick-or-treat's a real threat. I mean, they are hol- they are holding you hostage with the threat of uh, property damage.
1: I like the idea that it was more,
0: there was more of an
1: actual like trick Mm. than treat back when it started. Now it's like the treats automatic. We just say this because it's the thing we say.
0: We just say this thing as opposed to it actually being a threat and you are buying the, you are buying peace.
1: Yeah, exactly. Quash argues, quote, trick or treating first appeared during the years of the great depression, a time when economic dislocation strained normal social relations. Contemporaries were unsure whether to view trick-or-treating as innocent fun, as begging, or as theft. Trick-or-treating was all of these, but not exactly. The innovation of trick-or-treating combined Halloween traditions with an inspiration from 1930s popular culture. Trick-or-treating transformed the Halloween prankster into the Great Depression era, anti-hero, the American gangster. Hmm. End quote trick-or-treater was this little threat to the household they come to your door and demand things they force you to give it to them because if you don't they're going to damage something
0: yeah i suppose that isn't too far off from you know the mobster going and well this is quite a nice shop you got here be a shame if something were to happen to it yeah that's the the
1: next line i had from her Begging rituals like souling called on charity and pity as the basis for nation. Trick-or-treating, with its invocation of the gangster, more closely resembled extortion.
0: Mm -hmm. It would be a shame if someone were to light dog shit on your porch. Exactly. You have this nice house.
1: It would be a shame if someone, you know, threw some toilet paper on your trees (laughs) or took away your wagon wheels. What was your best costume, trick-or-treating?
0: Um... I was never huge into, like, creative costumes, but I had one time, and this was probably the last time I trick-or-treated, I found some sort of, like, a, I won't call it a zombie mask, but something in that vein of, like, it's a vaguely human form, uh, but, like, bloody and stuff. And I borrowed someone's uh, full-body cow uh, onesie, and I went as a mad cow.
1: <laughs> nice. Clever. I like it. Yeah. I never... I talked about this in Minute 17, but I, because I didn't trick-or-treat, I didn't wear costumes much. We had a couple costume dances in high school, and I went as Phantom of the Opera and a vampire because I had a cape. Ah. And I still have that cape. I wore that cape to uh, Ren Faire last year, to Medieval Times this year uh-huh. as part of a costume. You make use of what I got, but yeah, I didn't have many costumes.
0: Unfortunately,
1: I would have loved it. If in retrospect, that would have been great.
0: Yeah, I think my Halloween costumes generally just consisted of, what's at the store? Oh, okay. Mortal Kombat. That's a good. That's a thing I like. All right, I'll do that. I'm Scorpion this year. It's interesting you say that because I looked, I,
1: I'll talk about this later in a later minute when we get to Tommy's costume, listeners. I keep hinting at this, but just, there are going to be a few Halloween fans that are intrigued. I looked at old catalogs. From like 1978, 1977 of costumes, like what the Halloween costumes look like. Hmm. The costumes in this movie are really nice. Most of them are not what was popular at the time. But popular, and I don't mean just licensed characters. I mean, popular at the time was like a printed t-shirt and a cheap plastic mask that went together. And most of the costumes in this movie, maybe all of them are not that. They're much more extravagant. The two clowns at the elementary school were really baggy, big, fancy costumes. The flappers had like detailed feather stuff on them. Hmm. The kids they grabbed, and reportedly it was the crew, would be like, who do we know that has kids? And they'd get them to the set. Had nice costumes. Not the costumes that they would have had.
0: So I wonder then, did the tradition of going more hardcore with your costumery than basically get popularized by this movie i'd say probably not because because it sounds like uh, up until like it sounds like up until this time you 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 know you had a t like you said you had a t-shirt with something printed on it and a mask that went with it
1: well that was the costumes available it doesn't mean these didn't exist obviously they exist oh, okay. i don't think the movie focuses enough on the costumes for it to matter i just focused because i was looking at them and I'm, i was curious i'm like what are these kids dressed as because, hmm. you know, 1978, see this interesting little window of time. Because they have, like, there's two girls dressed as flappers mm-hmm. from, like, 1920s, which I thought was interesting in 1978. And a lot, several people dressed as farmers, which is a really boring costume. But it's nice and simple. And then Tommy later, of course. That's
0: also one of those costumes you can do, at least do 80% of with whatever you've got in your closet. Yeah, if you
1: own overalls, you're half farmer already. Yeah. So it makes sense. They're in rural Illinois. Mm-hmm. They have overalls. Later, Tommy will be wearing an astronaut costume, but I won't get into more detail on that until we get into detail on that. So the really obsessive Halloween fans will have to wait. Seriously, though, there is a weird... People don't know what costume he was wearing. Like 40 years later, they still don't know. People talk about his belt,
0: because it's very
1: specific. It's from Space 1999. Hmm.
0: I think I figured
1: out what his costume is. I'm going to talk about it later. All right.
0: Well, I am waiting with bated
1: breath. It took many hours of work. I get into a whole rant about obsession and Google searches. It's fun. Sure. Been there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You've done, you did Galaxy Quest Minute. You've got more Minute things coming up. You get very obsessive occasionally. It lends
0: itself to that. I'm familiar with that. I spent a good hour looking into the newspaper the dad was reading. You forgot there was even a newspaper.
1: Yeah, well, at the at the kitchen table. Um, like when he runs through to take out the trash. No,
0: it wasn't technically at the kitchen table. They were at the living room. Yeah, take out the trash. Yeah,
1: okay. I know the scene. I just dad has
0: no dialogue, but he's got a newspaper. (laughs) Yep, I found the exact newspaper, down to the day.
1: Nice. That's good. I like it. From the script, angle on Lori, Lori to herself. Well, kiddo, I thought you outgrew superstition. Now, in the script, Laurie goes inside and interacts briefly with her mother. Uh, Annie just called. Laurie missed it. In the novelization, Laurie actually stops and asks her mother about evil, similar to how Tommy will ask Laurie about the boogeyman. Uh, in the film, of course, and we talked about this last minute, in what would become tradition for slasher films, we don't need extra parent time. We we need the young people alone. Mm-hmm. So in the movie, we skip from outside the front door straight to Laurie's bedroom.
0: Yep. You don't need parent time unless you're going to kill the parents.
1: Exactly. Lori's day began with her father, but it was her going away from her father. And she's been making her way way through the day by herself. Uh, Novelization, Lori is stuck all day in her head, thinking about evil and about being killed because she went to the Myers house this morning. Mm -hmm. So she's thinking about that murder that happened 15 years ago. In this instance, she imagines being killed and wonders if she could kill someone. Film Lori... Seems less thoughtful, but in a good way. Like she wouldn't think about murder. Hmm. Not that she doesn't think, just that she wouldn't think of dark things. Novelization Laurie actually hopes that Tommy would just want to watch TV so she can study. While Film Laurie seems genuinely excited about reading books with them and carving the jack-o'-lantern. In 2nd 23, we get to the interior of Laurie's room. Uh, This is actually a reshoot. It was shot at the location in South Pasadena. The first version didn't work. In her commentary track, Deborah Hill suggests uh, it was probably the pullback to show the phone that makes it work in this version, which is right at the end of this minute. The interior of Lori's room is 1542 Orange Grove Avenue in Hollywood, which is the same house used for the interiors of the Wallace House. We see Lori's shadow before we see Lori, which I thought was interesting when I slowed it down for this minute-by-minute format. like, She comes in and you see a shadow first. Now, Alex, you asked, I think it was last minute, what this movie would be like if they made it today. Mm -hmm. In my note here, I actually say Lori's room is not as busy as the same room probably would be in such a film today. A couple framed images above her bed, a heart pillow, and a tennis racket in the corner. A sun hat on the wall. film today, she would have, like, a bunch of posters for like indie bands or maybe laurie wouldn't because she's the more bookish girl but she'd have a lot of posters and lots of lamps
0: Hmm. yeah or else i feel like you would see her room looking like this but it would be contrasted with annie's room that's got yeah like punk bands and things on it and stuff like that
1: which in the released version of the movie we don't see annie's room but Mm -hmm. in on tv you do get a glimpse of it yeah, And it, it's messier, but it doesn't have a lot more in it than Laurie's Room does.
0: But whereas whereas Laurie's Room has a
1: poster of James Ensor. Well, not a poster of James Ensor. It's a painting by James Ensor. Yeah. Well, I guess it is a self-portrait, isn't it? Yeah. It is self-portrait with flowered hat. So yeah, I guess it's also a poster of James Ensor.
0: I I'd had a couple of notes on him major influence on and precursor to some of the more avant-garde art movements of the late 20th century, like Dadaism. And I like this wording uh, that someone who I failed to write his name down had to describe his signature style. It feels somewhat relevant to this movie. It said, his radical distortion of form, his ambiguous space, his riotous color, his muddled surfaces, and his proclivity for the bizarre. In a movie where the villain is referred to as the shape. He also had a tendency to paint people with masks. Mm -hmm.
1: And in this self-portrait, he deliberately picked an incongruous hat to make it weird. Mm. He likes doing weird things. This portrait was originally painted in 1883, but he added the hat and the mustache in
0: 1888. Ah. So it was a very normal portrait, and then he changed it. Mm -hmm. The other interesting piece of set deck that i saw in her room and i had to research uh sort of the writing process of halloween too because of this was the raggedy andy doll on her dresser yeah i was thinking perhaps there was some sort of symbolism about the michael and Lori as siblings plot line, and then in my research i realized that wasn't invented until they were writing the second one
1: no i think it's more of a childish innocence thing mm-hmm Interrupting from the middle of editing, because while the Raggedy Ann, Raggedy Andy angle of brother and sister certainly doesn't mean anything here in this film alone, one, it's an interesting angle in the retroactive continuity. Lori has Raggedy Ann, but not Raggedy Andy, because Michael is her Raggedy Andy. Two, it is worth noting that back in minute 17, there were two Raggedy Ann costumes at the elementary school. In 1977, there was, of course, Raggedy Ann and Andy, a musical adventure an animated feature which I have vague memories of watching when I was very young and there being some creepy moments to it, but it would explain the popularity and presence of at least three Raggedy Ann reference in the film. Additionally, there would be a TV Christmas special in 78 and a Halloween special in 79. Three, never mind the connection to Halloween. The Raggedy Ann lore is actually pretty interesting. Raggedy Ann was created by Johnny gruel early in the 20th century. He patented the doll in 1915. There are at least three different notable legends about Raggedy Ann recounted on the website, raggedyann.com. First, Gurel's daughter Marcella finds an unremarkable doll in her grandmother's attic and brings it to her cartoonist father. He draws on a face and the grandmother sews on a replacement eye for one that is missing. Gurel names the doll after two poems from a book on a shelf nearby, The Raggedy Man and Little Orphaned Annie, both by James Whitcomb-Riley. Raggedy Ann.com says this legend, quote, conveys things the cold hard facts cannot, like the wonder of a long-forgotten family doll being discovered by a little girl in the magical and mysterious environs of the grandmother's attic, and it reflects the devotion of a father taking time out of a busy day to minister to his daughter's new charge. The legendary account provides the kind of magical underpinnings and romantic detailing that a doll like Raggedy Ann deserves, end quote. But there's another version. Marcella dies, from the ravages of an infected vaccination at the age of 13. The Raggedy Ann stories arose from stories, supposedly, Gurel used to tell Marcella in her final days, and he named the human owner of these dolls in the stories, Marcella, for his recently deceased daughter. Because of this legend, anti-vaxxers have adopted Raggedy Ann as a symbol. The third legend is not about Raggedy Ann's origin, but about the early dolls that Grell and his family made. Supposedly, they gave the dolls a literal candy heart, as the storied version of Raggedy Ann has, the spiritual source of her sweet outlook and kindly ways. Unlike Lori's doll, and Laurie here in this first film, Raggedy Ann does have that equally spirited brother, Andy. But they do play with it in the comics. In the first Death of Laurie Strode comic, Lori wears a Raggedy Ann costume to a graduation party the same party where Michael dresses as the clown he might have been if they hadn't chosen the William Shatner mask.
0: Mm. I feel like a very clever set decorator, maybe in the 2018 uh, Halloween, will find a way to incorporate then Raggedy Ann somewhere into either Michael Myers' past or or present. or
1: Or at least put the doll in her granddaughter's room or something, just for the fans or something.
0: However you want to play with your metaphors. (laughs)
1: Minute 29, we will see that in the uh, added for television scene with Linda, Lori has a new silk blouse uh, that she got for her birthday. She hasn't worn it yet. It hangs in her closet more like a... Is this my wording? Huh, I was being poetic in my notes. Hangs in her closet more like a dream of an outfit she will never wear. In my note about the painting, I also said... That uh, perhaps Lori picked this picture because it suggests an openness to new things that she yearns for but does not feel. Huh. I was being poetic in my notes. I amuse myself sometimes. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Next to the Raggedy Ann is a jewelry box.
0: So we've got this scene, this brief reappearance and then disappearance of Michael. The way it's edited looks fine to the audience, but it doesn't actually make sense. How do you mean? Uh, because Jamie Lee Curtis never looks away from the window. Like we get to see shot of Michael Myers. Shot of her looking. yeah. Laurie Strode. Shot of where Michael used to be. But she has not looked away from the window. Huh. So basically he just, you know evaporated in front of her eyes. Or, or what she sees is he's standing there, as soon as
1: he sees she's looking, he steps out of the way. Which is weird also to see.
0: It's weird, but it's just he we don't get to see. It's not as weird as what see, we see, yeah. Yeah.
1: This is one of the scenes where the wind is blowing, mm-hmm. by the way. The clothesline. Yeah. The sheets blowing in the wind. That's in the script. They may have actually had a fan in the yard to make it happen. Now I've already said before how I grew up on this movie, that's why in minutes one or two I had a conversation with my sisters an interesting drawback for those of you listening who are too young to know the joys of vhs tapes we watched this movie so much that in the scene we couldn't see michael Hmm. it had gotten so blurry from multiple uses that he blended in with the we'd have to go to the screen and point where his face is because it wasn't as obvious when you watch it on like a blu-ray today Mm.
0: and it's much clearer yeah isn't that one of those um Like, they always used to talk about the scenes in movies back when VHS was a thing that would always be ruined because people just kept rewinding them and watching that scene over and over again. Like, Sharon Stone uncrossing her legs in Basic Instinct scene and things like that. Probably, yeah.
1: That might have also made it worse for us because, like, we'd have someone over and they wouldn't see it, so we'd rewind to point again. (laughs) Rewind it and try it again. And make it worse. So, yeah, problem with vhs tape is it gets worse every time you use it now and we had that tape actually i think that tape still exists i think my mother has it Hmm. and we watched it a few times a year so
0: my mother still has a couple of the she still has a couple of the old vhs tapes I, i go why why, why, why is this, why is this here? I don't even, you're forcing yourself to keep having a VCR DVD combo. Why, why do you have this still? I bought a
1: VCR just a few years ago because
0: I have a few VHS tapes left. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And none of my VCRs worked. So I had to buy a new one. Yeah. It
0: forces you to have uh, an entire piece of hardware. Yeah. Uh, from the script, the
1: sheets continue to twist and turn to wind, but now the shape is gone. Angle on Lori. Lori slams the window and locks it. She slowly walks to the middle of the room and stands there for several moments, unsure as to whether she has actually seen it. IMDb goof time. Just one for minute 27. When Lori first arrives home from school, she glances out the window and sees Michael standing in her neighbor's yard. It is very windy, but in the next moment, she slams the window shut and the trees are perfectly still. Now, yes, that's true. But wind also does stop at some points. And I have a note here. The script for Halloween is full of sudden gusts of wind, almost as if some primordial elemental force has come in Haddonfield. Like, it's deliberate. This is one of the few instances in the film where they got lucky and there was wind, or they used a fan. Mm -hmm. There is wind often in the novel and in the script when Michael is around. It's part of what makes it scary, is he's part of this weather pattern, this elemental force. So, yeah, it's going to be windy when he's there and not that windy when he's gone. I'm okay with this, but the goof is correct.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the very least, in this movie and in, in this continuity, I suppose, the the first, the, the one through six, they pl- play with at least the idea of him not being human. Right. Of him being a, a force of nature. So or being more than human. Maybe it's yeah. human, yeah. but with more yeah. to him. Yeah, whereas, like, I know the Rob Zombie Franchise treated him like he's just a big, tough, scary human, right? More or less, uh, and we—it still remains to be seen what the 2018 reboot's going to do exactly. It's Nick Castle again, so I think it's closer to the original
1: mm-hmm. in terms of how they're playing Michael, but I don't know. I don't know. Now, at first, I read this goof as saying the clothes were perfectly still, but they're not. But it says the trees are. The trees outside the window are perfectly still because. The shooting of the close-ups obviously wouldn't have happened at the same time they shot the entrance to the room. shooting the pullback that reveals the phone was shot separately. The exterior was shot at a different location than the inside of the room. So Mm -hmm. the weather's not going to match with the low-budget film. And I really, when they pull back to see the phone, do you know the movie Top Secret? Mm -hmm. I, I want it to be a giant phone with forced perspective every time it pulls back. I don't know why. It's not a comedy but when it pulls back to the phone and it rings, I want her to go and pick up a giant phone.
0: Oh, that's another thing that I guess we didn't even think about when we were discussing how this movie would be different now is um, cell phones. The cell phone question you always got to answer. I mean, a large part of the third act of the movie is trying to find a phone to call the police from. Yeah. Right. And Now everyone's got one in their pocket. Or she and her friends,
1: she wouldn't have to wonder what they're doing every few minutes. They're probably texting back yeah. and forth
0: while they're babysitting. Yeah, of course. Or, I feel like the answer to all of that, to that always though, is okay, so set it in the past. You know, you could do that would be fun. You could do a Halloween that you shoot with 2018 sensibilities, but it's set in 1978, so you don't have to worry about cell phones as a as a plot
1: device. And that could be an interesting film thing, because films set in the seventies now have a nice look to them and you can create that look with a crisper detail because of the film quality. So it could be a fun setting
0: for it. But it's an interesting it's an interesting thing about setting movies in the past that you always set it. You almost always give it kind of a an exaggerated quality. Yeah. Like like you would imagine if you set a movie, if you were writing a movie in 2018 that you're going to set in 1978 the soundtrack is disco music <laughs> or led zeppelin depending on how hip your char- depending on how hip your characters are or don't fear the reaper yeah yeah you know uh your soundtrack is the greatest hits of the 70s you know everyone's outfits are the most 70s outfits you know one of these yeah much bigger bell bottoms yeah exactly like other than the cars looking a little different you know this this, this doesn't look too terribly out of place now. I mean, like the houses look like houses. The they look like people. Yeah. There is a, a timelessness of that comes with setting a movie in the in its modern age that I, I don't think you get when you actually shoot past tense like that.
1: No, because you try too hard. Your costume person looks at what was popular and they find the wrong thing.
0: Yeah, that I think that's exactly. You're trying too hard to convey seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Laurie Strode wouldn't wear the popular thing. Annie Brackett and
1: mm-hmm. Linda Vandercock probably wouldn't because they live in a little town in Illinois.
0: Yeah, they would all have they would have very seventies hair. Like her hair is I don't think it's especially Actually Linda would probably wear the popular stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's her. Because she's
1: the she's the trendy one mm-hmm. of the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if the movie were made today it would be even if it's set then, it'd be very different. Yeah. And unfortunately, like, it's a bad thing. I think it would be more
0: noisy. Yeah, I, it would, I think it would be lesser for it. You know, the, yes. this, the minimalism of this movie is one of its strong points. And I'm trying to think of movies that are minimalist nowadays. And I'm kind of struggling to do so. You don't get much. Yeah. You get ones that are high concept thing, maybe like a quiet place mm-hmm. because
1: it's playing with that silence. But even that, there's a lot going on in every scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just not dealing with noise. but it's not taking its time.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I'm trying to think of, of, yeah, some of the prominent horror movies of the last few years. And none of them strike me as this atmospheric. They wouldn't be. Yeah. As opposed to... So it would be really nice if the new halloween is mm. yeah if it does capture a bit more of the atmospheric vibe yeah because even though i liked h2o I, I felt like it didn't really have that kind of feel to it no it felt different it, it didn't it didn't feel it felt more of its time than uh, i guess i would say as a, a successor to halloween
1: anything else for minute 27
0: no um no I think I'm good. Uh, yeah, her room looks reasonably neat, which I can never I cannot relate to in any way, shape, or form. But other than that, yeah. Well, as we'll see in a later minute,
1: Annie's room is not as neat. Uh, but yeah, Lori's is neat. through tennis racket,
0: a Raggedy Ann, a globe. Yeah. So one more time, Alex, how may the listeners stalk you? Ah, uh, you can stalk me at Galaxy Quest Minute on your podcatcher of choice, or at Cleveland in Six, also on your podcatcher of choice. Either one of those works. Uh, you can check the social medias for any of those. Um, take a wild guess what the heck the handles are. You'll probably be right. Uh, other than that, thanks <laughs> thanks so much for having me on to talk a little bit of setup here for Halloween. Thank you for coming. Yeah.
1: And you can stalk us at Michael Myers Minute on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute or Instagram, Michael Myers Minute, or join the Facebook listeners group, 45 Lampkin Lane. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a nice review if you like what you hear. Till next time. See you later. Bye. Bye.